Please turn to John. We're going to be starting in John chapter 15 today. Um, it's so good just to say, I thought it was so good worshipping God together this morning. God is just so good. Throughout all troubles, all trials, God is good. And just so good. Thank you, Alid and Michael, for leading us into a place where we can look at God and say, you are amazing. He is so good. He's just so worthy of our... Of, Gosh, of, of, of our everything. Is there any way of shutting up a bit? You could, sla- you could try. You can try, try and slam it. It's, the reason it's not shut is because it's not been shut properly. Put in a bit of effort, Courtney. Maybe come and see it, but it's probably not going to make that much difference. They'll be stopped soon, I'm sure. Yeah. Or maybe they're going to be having a party for the next 45 maybe. minutes. Okay, um, so a couple of weeks ago, I was praying for us as a church, and I was praying um, for... Sometimes I get a little bit frustrated, and and I'm like, God, we want to see more people join us, we want to see more salvations, Uh, we want to see more finance in the church released, Um, and it was one of those times, I was just a little bit frustrated, to be honest, I was like, come on God, do something, build your church here in Gothenburg. And as I prayed, I opened my eyes, which I often will do. I'm, I move around quite a lot. I don't stand still. Don't keep my eyes shut so much. Um, and I looked up, and I saw this picture. This is a picture in our living room. And at the beginning, it's a plant. And at the beginning here, it's like any other plant. It has like a bowl, a seed. Um, but then as you travel up the plant, you suddenly see that it's not like any other plant because... There's different leaves and petals. It's not all just one plant, but it seems like there's a, there's a mixture of different plants having come in to the plant, and the artist has made some like nice collection of different flowers. And I felt God speak to me about this picture and about us as a church, and I felt him say to me that we are going to be a church that attracts the nations, and that we aren't just going to look like one type of nation or people but we really are going to attract the nations amongst us and that God is going to grow us and bring in different gifts and it really really encouraged me that God is building his church and that he is going to build his church and we're not going to look like any other church but we're going to be our our own plan and there's going to be all these different everyone's looking a little bit different but we're going to come together and be the family together. We're going to be this plant that God is building. And it's all based. It's all still based on God. And that's what I felt. It's all built. It's all based on God. But we're all going to look different. And God's going to build his church. And I was really encouraged by that. But then the inevitable question comes when you sort of like think about that when, you, when God says he's going to build his church. And the question is this. How? How is he going to build his church? And the scripture today, I think, really, really helps with the question, how is he going to build his church? So if you have your Bibles, open now. It's John chapter 15. Uh, We're going to start reading from verse 26. We're going to be in 16, really, but just the end of 15 as well. Uh, I have it on the screen in the ESV translation. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. 
And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you remember that I told them to you. I did not say these th- things to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, "Where are you going?" But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth: it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes. He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, and therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 25, skip on a little bit. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech. But will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father, and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly, and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's the word of God. Amen. It's absolutely brilliant. Okay, so what we've got um, really throughout the Gospel of John, but other Gospels as well, is that Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for his leaving them. He's regularly saying to them, I'm going to leave you. And he doesn't necessarily come out with it straight up, but he says in, in figurative um, subtle ways you're gonna I will be leaving you're kind of misunderstanding the point of why I'm here I'm not here to take over everything and and and, and become this earthly king but at one point I will be leaving and and the disciples are just like always confused okay they're arguing they're fighting they're confused they're like scratching their heads thinking Jesus what are you saying and so Jesus here in this passage in um, chapter 16 verse 28 uses three wonderful words. He says, I am leaving. Oh. There's this moment, the coin drops, the disciples understand, 
Well, why didn't you say so, Jesus? I mean, and Jesus says, I've been trying to tell you I've been leaving for, for a while. This is it. Jesus is saying, I am leaving. And the disciples finally understand Jesus isn't going to be around forever. He's going to be leaving. The, 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 the miracle worker, the, the incredibly kind, servant-hearted leader is going to be leaving. But then Jesus goes on to say this. It is to your advantage that I go away. It is to your advantage. Now, I am a Tottenham fan, a football team. I love football. And recently, we're a very good team. Isn't that right, Godwin? No. <laughs> um, and recently, our, our best player has become injured. Our best player. Okay, the leader of our team has become injured. And I can tell you, every Tottenham fan, when this player got injured, thought, oh dear. In fact, since he's been injured, we've been knocked out of two cups and we've been beaten. So we're not doing so well. Because he was our leader. He was the great leader. And he's not with the team at the moment. Yet when Jesus says he's leaving, he says it is good. It is to your advantage that I'm leaving. Why? We've got to come with that question. Why is it to their advantage and as we read it to our advantage that Jesus is not here anymore on earth as a physical man on earth because he starts chapter 16 you're going to be kicked out you may be kicked out of synagogues you maybe will fall away people are even going to kill you tough times are ahead Jesus is saying and then he says this but it's good news it's good that I'm going you're sort of thinking okay so the the leader, Jesus, the, the best player, what, you're leading, you're leaving, and that's good. Can you explain to us why? And then Jesus says, this is why, because I will send someone. I will send the helper. It's good that I go so that the helper can come. And we see this word, the helper, quite a number of times in this scripture we've just read, but also in 14 and 15, we, we're introduced to the helper. And he says, it's good that I go, it's to your advantage. It's actually better, it's not just good, it's better. It's to your advantage because I will send someone else. I will send the helper. And what we're going to do over the next 20 minutes is look very briefly at who the helper is. Um, and then we're going to look at a little bit about what he does in the scripture that we are looking at today. So first of all, who is the helper? And we straight away... Jesus is talking nice and plainly at this moment, so it's good. In chapter 14, verse 26, we see who the helper is. He says this, Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's quite clear that the helper is the Holy Spirit. Okay, Jesus says that in black and white, 14, verse 26, the helper is the Holy Spirit. They are the same. Okay, so who is he? Who is the helper? He's the Holy Spirit. Ah, Josh, you may say. Helpful. Now I know that the helper is the Holy Spirit, which leads me on to my next question. Who is the Holy Spirit? To explain very briefly who the Holy Spirit is, we're going to watch a short video. And it's a video from Alpha, 
which is the course that we're going to be running in approximately a month when we find a location. And it, it explains in this video about who the Holy Spirit is. I just want to do a quick plug for Alpha at this point. Um, Alpha, Alpha is a course for non-Christians to come to. So perhaps you've been praying about a friend, there's someone on your heart, or you've had some good conversations with someone at work or in your street or, or wherever about God, this is the course to invite them to. Everything in church that we do is open to non-Christians. Absolutely everything. We do not say, well, you know, non-Christians aren't allowed everything. Even like family meetings that we every, every so often have. But there's some things that are better to invite. If we're being tactical and everything in okay, how are they best going to hear the gospel? How, they, how is Jesus best going to speak to them? There's some things that are better to invite them to. Alpha is one of those things. Okay, it's a place where you watch some videos and anyone can have any opinion. Okay, they can say that is the biggest amount of rubbish I've ever heard in my life, and that's okay. No one's going to say, uh uh, no, it's not. Here's the door. We're going to say, okay, if that's your opinion, that's fine. Okay, but this is a short video for about, yeah, the Holy Spirit explaining it. In the earth humans. was empty, formless, dark, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light. So there was day followed by night. With each new day came new creation, vast oceans, the vaster sky, the earth green and growing. The Spirit of God, the Creator Spirit, brought out of the chaos of the cosmos, out of disorder, order, out of confusion, harmony, out of deformity, beauty. The cosmos, galaxies, the sun, the moon, and every star, Creatures of every shape and size to swim, fly, and roam the land. Then God created man and woman in his image and breathed life into them. And God sent his spirit upon his chosen people to guide them, to give them gifts for a particular time and purpose to fulfill God's work on earth. God sent his spirit upon a man called Bezalel giving him the gift of creativity and artistic knowledge to craft and shape precious metals and gems into art, into a house for the Lord. The Spirit of God came upon Gideon, a weak and fearful man, so he became a brave warrior who saved God's people. Samson, who was taken prisoner, God sent his Spirit to give him the extraordinary strength to break free from the ropes tied around him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. God filled others with his Spirit for prophecy, to be his mouthpiece, bringing direction and hope to his people. The Spirit came upon Isaiah to bring good news of hope. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Upon Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Through the prophet Joel, we learn who this promise is for and how it will happen. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. 
even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God's promise was that he would do something new. Not just for particular people at particular times, for particular tasks, but for everyone, all people, regardless of position, age, gender, ethnicity, and race. Then, with the birth of Jesus, it was like a trumpet sounded, and everyone surrounding the birth of Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's a super quick, but I think really helpful overview on what the Holy Spirit is, who the Holy Spirit is. And what I see, one of the things that he says, um, the commentator says that the Holy Spirit is, is that he, he came on specific people to do specific things. So, for example, Samson, he came on him and Samson got this incredible strength. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's the helper. He helps. So in that situation, he gave Samson the strength that he required. He helps. And then we see in uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, that one day, one day the Holy Spirit, the, the, the helper, who, who would come on a specific person for a specific time, for a specific reason, one day the Holy Spirit... I, well, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So in one day, there will no longer just be just for one person at one specific time, but the Holy Spirit, the helper, will be available for everyone. And so when Jesus is talking to his disciples, when he's saying, it is good that I leave, it is to your advantage that I leave, he, as he leaves... He is ushering in, he's bringing in this new age, this age of the Spirit, this age that Joel prophesied about, that when he said, the Spirit of God will fall on men and women, it will fall on everyone. No matter age, no matter race, no matter sex, gender, everyone. The Spirit will come upon everyone. And so Jesus is able to say, it's good that I'm leaving, because as I leave, I will send the Spirit. I will be the fulfilment of this Joel 2.28 uh, promise. It is good that I leave so that you can receive the Spirit. So that you can receive the Helper. Why is it good that Jesus leaves? So that we can receive the Helper. I read a, a statistic. That if Jesus was still alive today, not only would he be very old, but if you were to have him as a Sunday morning speaker, he would be able to get around to our church probably once every 27,000 years. So it's not so good if he was here. But as he sends the Spirit into us as believers, we become Jesus here on earth. We have Jesus living inside of us. And I'm going to get onto that in a minute. So it's good that he leaves because the helper will come. We're going to look at three things from this passage that the helper helps us with. And the first one is found in verse 8. This is this. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Okay, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, this, this incredible, that you have a calling. And the calling is this, go and tell people about me. Be my witnesses. I have started telling people. I've, I, I have loved people. I have healed people. I, I'm, I'm bringing people in and I want you to continue the work that I have done. He says, go and tell people 
about Jesus. Go and tell about me. Go and tell people the good news. And he says that to his disciples, and he says the same thing to us today. If you're wondering what your purpose is in life, if you're wondering what your calling is and where you should be going or what you should be doing, look at the scripture because it's super simple. Jesus says, go and tell people about me. That should be all of our purpose. That should be all of our calling. Go and tell people about Jesus. Point people to Jesus. Point people to Jesus in the way we speak, in the things that we do, in the choices that we make. Point people to Jesus. But, we don't do it on our own because the helper helps. He will convict the world. Acts 1, chapter 8, Jesus says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and to the ends of the earth. Okay, local to global. You will be my witnesses. When, when you've learned to say some clever things or, or look a certain way or have earned a certain amount of money, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. And so the Helper helps us with the Great Commission. The Helper comes alongside us. And this, this is incredibly, incredibly encouraging because God is at work. It's not all about us. It's not all about how good we are at sharing the Gospel. Or how kind we are, how nice we are, how good looking we are, or anything like that. It's all about God being at work. And we have, we have this responsibility. I mean, Jesus tells his disciples, he tells us to go. He tells us to walk, to talk, to do things. But it is the Holy Spirit that will convict the world. It is the Holy Spirit that is at work right now in our friends and our neighbours. Right now. Those ones that we think look so, so far away. The Holy Spirit is at work there. And that's so, so encouraging. It really is. Because I, I, maybe I'm the only one, but I often fall into the trap of that person is far too far away from God. They will never get saved. The amount that they drink, the gossip that they say, that, that their lifestyle, I mean, they're too far away. Actually, that God can save anyone. And through the helper, through the Holy Spirit, he is at work. And so we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to tell people, to invite people to Alpha, for example, or... To, or wherever but it's the Holy Spirit who helps he is the one who convicts we get to play a part in the great story but it is his story he is the one that does the saving so the Holy Spirit convicts second thing he does is that he guides so we see in verse uh, 13 that he will guide you into all truth so here we see that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He convicts and he guides. He guides us into all truth. So Jesus, through the Spirit, lives inside of us and he guides us. In uh, chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus says this. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Okay, so he's leaving but he's also going to come. How does he come? As the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. And so, as, as literally as he's leaving, he's able to say, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You're not going to be without parents because I'm going to come. I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to come. And as I come, I will guide you into truth. I will guide you into truth. 
And so when we read like Galatians 5, 18 and 16, we see this, uh, we see this picture of the Christian life. And it's a life about being led by the Spirit. It's a life about being walking by the Spirit. Because as we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we're able to be led into truth. We're able to know what is right and what is wrong. I, I know um, like a bit of a story about me personally. When I, first when I got saved, when I came back, I, so I was, became a Christian when I was young. Teenage years, did the standard rebellion, went away from church, came back to God when I was 20. And I was driving along in the car, listening to music that I'd been listening to for years, I guess, just sort of like, you know, singing along and dancing along in the car, as you do, when no one else is watching. And then suddenly, there, there were some lyrics in the song that literally all I could do was turn off the music. There were these lyrics that suddenly sounded horrible. I'd been listening to them absolutely fine, and then suddenly, I had to turn it off. What was going on there? It was the Holy Spirit leading me into something. This is not helpful for you anymore, Josh. You are now a new creation. This is not, not helpful for you. And I was able to, like, I, I just, I have to turn it off. The Holy Spirit, the helper, was leading me in ways that are helpful for me. And, and I think we can all have similar stories where we've just known, okay, that, that just doesn't feel right. We need, to be, we need to be led into the truth. We need to be able to be led into what it says in Scripture. And we have a choice to be obedient to that or disobedient to that. But that the helper wants to lead us into truth. He wants to lead us into the ways of God. Acts 16, Paul and Timothy are... They're like planting churches, they're establishing churches, they're helping churches grow and all that sort of stuff. And we, we see this fascinating um, scripture where basically they try to go to Asia, but they are forbidden by the Holy Spirit. They're forbidden to speak in Asia. And so they go to uh, Phrygia and Galatia. And you sort of think, I wonder how that happened. Was it a prophetic word? Was there like a big angel sort of standing in the road saying, turn around, go that way? Well, we're not told, but probably the most likely thing is there was just something inside them. You know what? Actually, I feel this is the way that we should go. It's the hope they were being led by the Spirit. They were walking by the Spirit. And so as we, as we make decisions, as we live life, as we walk, the Christian life, because the Christian living is not about staying still. Please hear that. Please understand that. Being a Christian isn't like, okay, I've accepted Jesus, now I'm just going to stand here. It's about growth. It's about walking. It's about going forward. It's about becoming more like Jesus. And as we do that, how do we do that? Really, really hard work, really, really hard work. No, we're led by the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. He will lead us. I, yeah, just... Be open to the Spirit. Be open to his direction. So important. He helps us in that. Finally, we see this. Jesus will be glorified because of the Holy Spirit, because of the Helper. In 1646, uh, 1647, there was a group of church leaders from Scotland and from England who met together. And the reason they met was because the churches were disagreeing on a bunch of 
basic Christian beliefs. And so what they did is they met together so that they could come up with a bunch of statements, Christian beliefs. This is what we believe as Christians. And it's called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And what it is, is 107 questions and answers. Okay? This, and they could agree, these are the things that we all agree on. And it brought these churches together in a, in a much better way. The first question is this. What is the chief end of man? So questions, answer. What is the chief end of man? Answer, glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is the chief end of man. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's it. And that is our chief end. That is our main purpose. That is really our only purpose in life. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. And of course there's a load of other stuff that follow that. But we want to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Jesus' life, I think you could sum up like this. He gave glory to his Father. He gave glory to his Father. John 17 that we're going to be looking at very soon. In verse 4, as Jesus prays, he says this. I have bought you glory on earth. I've bought you glory. This is like Jesus' mission statement was to bring glory to the Father. It was what he was on earth for. Everything points to this. Right, right from his birth, when he's born, they say, Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest. A baby is born. Glory to God. Right away, Jesus is just bringing glory to the Father. Right away. Glory to God. It was his role on earth. And then Jesus says this to his disciples, doesn't he? He says, and I am leaving, but it's good because I'm sending the Holy Spirit that will do what? That will glorify me. And here we see what I believe to be the primary purpose for the Holy Spirit is to glorify God, <coughs> is to glorify Jesus. And, of course, yeah, I mean, it says, doesn't it, he will glorify me. And, of course, I mean, there are many other things that the Holy Spirit will do. So, for example, we've seen today that he helps in our evangelism, in our witness. He will convict. He helps leading us as we walk by the Spirit, as we're led by the Spirit. He leads us into truth. In Galatians 5, we see the fruits of the Spirit. He helps us become more loving, patient, joyful, as we heard over the last couple of weeks brilliantly from Nina. In Acts 1, as we read, he, the Holy Spirit, he, he, he empowers us to go into the place, into the, into the nations, into the cities, wherever you are, to preach the gospel, that you will receive power. There's all these things. But what do they do? They all build up to glorify God. Everything builds up. It's building blocks, building blocks, building blocks. Why, why do we, we want to... See, why do we want fruits of the Spirit? Why do we want to change our character? Why do we want to see people saved? Why do we want to build a church? And because we want to give glory to God. Because it's all about giving glory to God. All about giving glory to Jesus. What is the chief end of man? Give glory to God. That's why it's so important, and I think Alid probably gets a bit frustrated with me, when I talk to him about worship, I say, make sure you choose songs that point to Jesus, that glorify God. Because that is our chief end. That's what it's all about. Everything builds to that, glorifying God. Everything. Everything. And so as, if you're asked by a small group leaders to lead worship, if you are a small group leader and you're leading worship, if you're in the worship band and you're leading worship, choose songs that glorify God. You can't go wrong. 
Because inside of us we have the helper. And what does the helper want to do? He wants to glorify Jesus. He helps us glorify Jesus. So choose songs, help us glorify Jesus. That's what, that's what it's all about. Everything builds to that. Why do we want to build? Would it, are we planting good first so that we can eventually buy a building? Right answer. We're planting a church here. A building would be nice, sure. But we're planting a church here so that we can give glory to God. We want to see friends saved at Alpha. Yes, we love them. Yes, they're on the wrong track. But it's all for God's glory. Everything is for God's glory. And the helper helps us do that. So Jesus ends chapter 16 how he begins it. He ends it with this warning. He ends it saying that trouble lies ahead. Beginning of 16, trouble. End of 16, trouble. But then he says this, take heart. I have overcome the world. I'm not going to leave you. Yes, there will be trouble. I think, I mean, we just, worship links into this. I didn't, you know, Jacob didn't know what I was going to be speaking on. Yes, we will have trouble. We will. All of us will. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And as this victory that Nina spoke about, as, as I won the victory on the cross, as I ascended to the Father, I didn't leave you as orphans. I sent the helper. I believe, if we go back to that picture that I had right at the beginning, I believe that God is going to call us to be a church that brings in the nations. I think God's already doing that. It's brilliant. But also one that impacts the nations. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. I often am like, wow, this is really tough church planting. And then I can open the scripture and be like, Jesus says, it's going to be tough. Oh yeah, okay, fair enough. I should probably uh, know that a bit better than I do. But I'm often like, God is so hard. It will be tough. But I believe that God will build his church here. Through us, his family, his body. How do we do that? Or are people in the presence of God? We're people of the presence of God. We have the helper inside of us. It's not about, you know, wonderful Michael. It's about the helper inside of Michael. As wonderful as you are, Michael. It's all about God. It's all about the presence of God. The author of Romans says this. Can I invite the band up, maybe? Uh, The author of Romans says this. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom of God. I can do that, it's fine. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen.